Leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You may or may not know that I have a specific interest in ABCs, alien big cats, of which there are many hundreds of sightings around the UK over the last two or three hundred years, particularly in the 20th and 21st century. There have been lots and lots and lots of reported sightings, probably also with the um, onset of better technology to record them on. So I have a book that I picked up when I was in Dorset and it's called Roaring Dorset Encounters with Big Cats by Merrily Harper. And Merrily has been very, very busy collecting several hundred stories of big cat sightings, alien big cats in the area. So as I'm going to be going to Dorchester in the next few weeks, I thought I would start with reading you some of the experiences that people reported in Dorchester. So the first one is from Weymouth Avenue on the 28th of November 2002. Andy Garrett called police on his mobile phone at 8am after spotting a large black cat approximately 200 yards away, running at high speed across fields by the A37, a quarter of a mile south of Dorchester Football Club's ground on Weymouth Avenue. The field was grass, about eight inches high, and the cat was about the size of an Alsatian dog. He said, It was chasing something, zigzagging about in the middle of the field. It was pure black, cat-like in movement, and its most noticeable feature was its tail, which was as long as its body, and swept down to the ground and up again in a U-bend. Andy is interested in wildlife, keeps dogs and cats, and was adamant that the animal he saw was none of these, stating, The fact that it was a big cat was as plain as the nose on my face. The viewing lasted only about fifteen seconds, but he said, It is still etched on my memory because it was a startling sight. A squad car was dispatched after the call, but officers were unable to trace the mystery beast. The next one is at Morngate Caravan Park, Bridport Road, February 2004. 
Debbie Sparks is in the habit of popping outside for a cigarette. One night in February, her attention was drawn to a caravan about 30 feet away, whence came the sound of cats. She saw two glowing eyes of a yellowy-green colour. The night was dark, so they were not reflecting some other light source. It was as if they were fluorescent. I couldn't take my eyes off them. They were horrible. She went in to get a torch, and in the light of the beam she saw the animal was under the neighbouring caravan, where there is a space about two feet high. It was about the size of a small Alsatian, but stockier, with a longish tail. She said, I've never seen anything like it. It had apparently got hold of a local black and white moggy, but had let go because that ran off. She expected the animal to flee from the light too, but instead it started to walk towards her. She went inside hurriedly. The moggy appeared completely unharmed, and the mystery feline has not been seen since. Now we come to Poundbury Camp and Railway Line, 11th of August, 2004. Spencer Allen lives in Oxfordshire and works in Dorset. He reported, It was 11.50am, and I was driving on the B3147, heading towards Dorchester, and only about half a mile from the town. There are open fields on the right, divided from a steep hill by a railway track running parallel to the road. I saw a black, cat-like animal running diagonally down the hill towards the railway line. It ran like a cat and had a very long tail. I slowed down and watched it for about ten seconds. At that moment a train came along going the other way. Its size enabled me to gauge the size of the cat, and I thought, God, that was big. I estimated its size to be just over a metre. Its tail was smooth-looking and about 70 centimetres long and curved down and up again in an S-shape. The train obscured my view of the cat and when it had passed, the cat had gone. I was surprised to see such an animal so near to the town. And now to Sherburn Road, 5th of April and 5th of May, 2005. In late April, Mr and Mrs Aylott were walking along a bridle path just off the Sherburn Road at 9.30am when they spotted a big black cat lying by the side of the woods. At first they thought it looked like a calf, but it slunk off, moving in a cat-like way and showing a very long tail. It was about the size of a retriever. Then on 5th of May they saw it again. They were walking their dogs on the same bridle path where they'd seen it first. This time the cat was in a field closer to the road. It ambled across the path and into a gap in the hedge. The next one was on the road between Dorchester and Milbourne St Andrew in May 2005. The Western Gazette, 22nd of February 2007, reported that in May 2005, a Blandford woman saw a large feline cross the road as she drove towards Dorchester from Milbourne St Andrew late at night. Teaching assistant Ruth Steele said its belly was above the long grass on the verge and it had a long tail with a distinctive rounded end. This is a rather nice sighting from Talbothes Road near St Osmond's School on the 14th of July 2006. The Dorset Advertiser reported, 
Marjorie Nicholson had woken at 4am and got up to see what the weather was like. I opened the curtains and there, coming in from the south end of Talbothay's Road, was what looked like a panther. It walked across the children's play area and then crossed the road, disappearing from sight in the direction of St. Osmond's Middle School. It was about a metre long, a beautiful animal and had a beautiful stride, like a strut. I would say it was a panther. I did wonder if I was dreaming, but I wasn't. I watched it for a few minutes before it disappeared, she added. The worst thing was my camera was in the cupboard next to me, but I couldn't take my eyes off it to get a picture. The next two sightings were only a couple of months apart, in 2007, and both around the Dorchester Football Stadium area. The Dorset Echo reported, a mystery big cat animal has been spotted in a field on the outskirts of Dorchester. Mark Dawson said, I was in the passenger seat as we approached the roundabout near the stadium, and I was looking out for buzzards on the fence posts. There was a short gap in the fence, and I saw this animal standing on a slight mound in a field. It was about the length of half a football pitch away from me, and I had a clear view of it. It was all black and had all four feet close together, the way a cat sometimes stands. It was definitely a cat of some kind, but it was the size of a big dog. It had a long tail with a curl at the end. He added, I'm absolutely 100% sure that what I saw was a panther. It wasn't a case of it could have been or looked a bit like one. The car was in a queue of slow-moving traffic and I had about three or four seconds to look at it. Unfortunately, we couldn't stop or I would have grabbed the wife's mobile phone and taken a picture. But it's possible that other people were looking across through that gap on Sunday morning and saw it as well. And this is the second report on the 12th of October 2007. A witness reported, I've just arrived at work having taken the number 31 bus service to Weymouth. Whilst I was on the bus, just after passing the roundabout near the football stadium, in the first field to the right, at about 8.05am, I spotted a big cat. It was stood in the middle of the field, facing towards Dorchester, about 200 metres away from the road. It was pure black with a really long tail, and I would say just bigger than an Alsatian dog. I had about four to five seconds to look at it, and it was beautiful. These next two ABC stories. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are from Lyme Regis in Dorset, which I've been to several times on holiday. And it's a beautiful little town, a very steep rake down to the sea. And there are lots of dinosaur museums and fossil shops. It's the most amazing sort of Victorian seaside town and it's well worth a visit if you're down that way and also it's a very good place to go hunting for fossils. So the first one is at Raymond's Hill on the 9th of May 1997. The Bridport and Lyme Regis News reported Photographer Richard Austin of Lyme Regis was up at Raymond's Hill capturing snow pictures on Tuesday. He had focused his lens on a rabbit crouched under a snowy buttercup when he saw a black shape in the corner of the frame. I thought it was a dog at first, along by the hedge, and I thought, oh no, he's going to see me and start barking. But then I looked again and realised it was a big cat. It was absolutely jet black so black that when it turned its head towards me you couldn't make out its features. They just blended in. It turned sideways and I just managed to bang off a couple of frames before it leapt through the hedge and disappeared. Disappointingly, the pictures turned out to be unusable. Gosh, that would be so frustrating, wouldn't it? And the next one was by the River Lim in Uplime, which is a place very near where I've done some camping. And this sighting was on the 2nd of May 2004. It was a warm, sunny day, sometime between 4 and 7pm. Andy Finlay and Alison Ludlam were out walking from Uplime to Lyme Regis along the public footpath that hugs the River Lim. Andy reported, There is a field next to the river with a lot of sheep and lambs in it. It also has families of wild rabbits. We were stopped, looking at the lambs and the small rabbits, when I said to Alison, Look at the size of that dog. It moves like a cat. It was trotting diagonally down the hillside, very fast, very close to the ground, not stalking the way a domestic cat does, but moving very quickly. It came to within 50 metres of us when it noticed us, and upon seeing us, it turned 90 degrees without stopping and disappeared into some cover behind some bushes at the edge of the field. We stood still, hoping to see a further glimpse of whatever it was, but nothing, though we waited for about 15 minutes. I figured it was more scared of us than we of it. It was a very dark brown 
but this colour was not uniform across the body. There were lighter patches of fur. The length of its body was about five to six feet, and the length of the tail about two feet. My goodness, I've walked down that path towards Lyme Regis. How exciting! So don't forget, if you fancy having a little um, dig around for fossils, Lyme Regis is very near the place where Mary Anning famously discovered the full ichthyosaur skeleton. So get down there and take your little hammers and shovels with you. The next story um, moves around Dorset towards Lulworth. Lulworth Cove is a very, very beautiful place which has some quite astounding geology, geological features where the, um, the tectonic plates have, uh, in previous thousands of years, pushed up big outcrops of rock and it's really quite spectacular to see. Also, it has a lovely bay with a little beach in and a lovely picnic area. And from there, you can walk up to the very famous Durdle Door Archway. Anyway, I digress. This sighting was in East Lulworth in August 2005. The witness wrote, I live in East Lulworth and see a lot of deer and wild animals while walking. One morning in early August 2005, I was passing the old garage heading out for a day's fishing, when something in a side road leading to the East Lulworth Bypass caught my eye. So I stopped to have a look. It was an animal about the height of a Labrador, but a lot longer, and it had a long curled tail and a very muscular build. It stood in the middle of the road just looking at me, then just walked into the hedgerow out of sight. I was about 25 feet from it, but it did not seem concerned by my presence, and was in no real hurry. I also sighted another creature of about the same size but dark grey in colour about two months later in the field directly behind my house, late in the evening, just before dark. I have to say, though, one of my favourite stories of sighting ABCs is also from Lulworth and is um, by an old fisherman who lives at the White North Cliffs, and this was reported in the 1960s. Make of it what you will. Retired fisherman Jim Miller, who lives in Lulworth, recalls seeing a bloody great cat picking its way along the White North Cliffs near Lulworth in the 1960s. It was near enough the size of a donkey in length, but shorter-legged, with a tail as long as its body. He and his colleagues were in their fishing boat at the time and watched it for 20 minutes, clearly visible against the white cliffs as it jumped two crevasses before disappearing over the cliff top. So there you go. Jim Miller knows his wild cats. Now, I have just finished a, an, a report slash article for the magazine that I write for in America, which is called Paranormality Magazine by Magster. You must check it out. It's really fantastic. And now we are doing paper copies. And these are not just paper copies. These are copies 
that are of a quality equivalent to the most expensive magazines you have seen. Super thick sheets of paper, glossy and smelling like Ryman's office supplies all in one magazine. And within those pages you will find many articles, pieces of information, facts and interviews all from um, journalists in the US and by little old me about all sorts of different paranormal subjects. Now this month I have written my article about sightings of ABCs all over the UK and I've come across some really incredible stories not only about sightings but of um, people having actually captured or shot these big cats and so they had proof of capturing them. There was a famous um, pale beige puma that was caught alive in a trap in um, northeastern Scotland and she was taken to Aberdeen Zoo, I think it was, and named Felicity. And apparently she was quite tame and liked to be tickled. Um, there have also been several um, lynxes caught and servils. And there's also quite a lot of sightings, which is what makes me wonder about this. Not only of panther type or jaguar type cats, but of black melanistic leopards. Now, the only thing about all of these sightings is that if they're all black cats and they are melanistic leopards, that's going to be quite difficult because apparently um, some of these species have been interbred and if a... Um, two species of a large cat are interbred, they result in an infertile male so that the, it must be nature's way of stopping them hybridising. So the hybrid males um, cannot reproduce. So what are these black cats then? Are they pure black panthers or pumas? And are there mating pairs? There must be mating pairs because even if a few of them had escaped from private collections, it still doesn't account for all of the many hundreds of sightings across the UK every single year. So what do you think? So now we're going to move across the pond, as it were, to the good old US of A and see what beasts and monsters lie there. And there are many, although far too many for me to mention today. So I will tell you some purportedly, or is it purportedly, 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 hmm. It's one of those words that sounds right and then sounds wrong. Anyway, um, supposedly true stories that people have actually witnessed and experienced themselves. Although, sadly, 
not so much in the way of evidence, but what can you do? So the beast we're going to look at, first of all, is a werewolf type creature. I've discovered a book and I've discovered it probably six years after everybody else. And this was written in 2016 and it's absolutely fascinating book. It is called Monsters Among Us, which is also the name of one of my favourite podcasts. Hello to Derek, if he ever gets to hear this. And the book was written by Linda S. Godfrey. It is a particularly well-written and interesting and informative book. And so the first one, I hope that Linda doesn't mind me advertising her work, um, because the, the only reason I'm reading these stories out is because I think it, it is such a well-written book and the stories are so fascinating and quite incredible. So the first one is called The Torrance Werewolf and it's a story about some children who have a very close, far too close, sighting and experience of a real-life werewolf. Well, it was a sunny afternoon in 1985 and I was with my brother and my mother at a laundromat in Torrance, California that we occasionally went to. We'd just come from a store where my mum bought my brother and I our first Nerf ball to share. We were very excited and anxious to play with it. Well, we were helping Mum put the clothes in the washer and getting changed, etc. Then my brother and I started begging our mum to let us play with the Nerf ball in the parking lot. She, of course, said no because it was too dangerous, so my brother said that he would be right back. He went looking around for a spot to play and came back quickly. He said to my mum that he found a safe spot right behind the laundromat and it was an apartment-type complex with a long driveway where would we would be safe from cars. She finally accepted. We ran as fast as we could to the back of the laundromat. I remember my brother saying to me that he wanted to go to the middle of the driveway and that he would be towards the front just in case cars would drive in. That way he could be seen better because he was taller. We started to play catch back and forth, throwing the ball different ways with spins and twirls and such. I remember we got pretty loud because we were having such fun. We were running and jumping and we kept hitting the sides of the wall to this property and the open carports that were underneath the complex. After about 30 minutes or so, my brother threw it so high and far that I had to fetch the ball from the last carport. The ball flew in all the way back to the carport wall just beneath the storage compartment that each carport had so I ran to go get it. I got the Nerf ball in my hands and turned around. Right there was a large metal rectangular door on the ground that looked like it opened to an underground area. Well, there was a man that lifted the door and popped a little out from underneath this thick, heavy metal door. And it was propped sort of on his back and neck and shoulders to where I could only see his upper body. I was at that moment freaked out and afraid. I was told never to talk to strangers. I was told constantly to never trust anyone by my mother, brother and grandma. 
I wasn't allowed to go anywhere alone, so I was very frightened and stood still, looking at this man. The door was heavy, so it seemed as if he couldn't get enough strength to get all the way out of it. My only way to get past him was from the sides, because this door was directly in the middle of the end of the carport facing outward. He looked at me and said in a rough voice, "'What's all this noise? Why are you making so much noise? What are you doing? Why are you here?' I didn't say anything, I just stared. He said, "'Are you playing?' I said, yes. He said, no, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid of me. It's okay, Jennifer, you don't need to be afraid. I looked at him puzzled because I wondered how he knew my name. I never said it. My brother was yelling at me to hurry up, but he never yelled out Jennifer. I noticed this man's outfit. From what I could see, he was wearing an off-white, long-sleeved blouse-type shirt with cuff-links or buttons to tighten the wrist area of the shirt. He had a brown velvety or silk-type vest over the shirt that was buttoned up. He looked like a European or Italian man, but spoke with clear English. No accent at all. He had dark brown hair that was slicked back in a very clean-cut manner. He had dark brown eyes. His skin was pale, but not too pale. He was rather handsome, I thought. Thinking about it later on in my life, he looked similar to a Dracula vampire that's been portrayed in movies, but young. He looked to be in his late twenties. He also had a manipulating, nice, light voice when he was calling me to come toward him. I was just standing still and not wanting to move close to him at all. My brother was yelling for me to hurry up, but he kind of stopped and was waiting for me because he saw from the side this man that was talking to me. Back then, children were supposed to respect their elders or adults, so my brother stood quiet for what seemed forever to me. As Jennifer continued to stare at the man in horror, she also had a very close look at the tunnel around him. I could see a little bit on the side of him, and it looked like there were stone stairs leading to the bottom, but they didn't go all the way up to the top, she said. At the bottom I could see a very small lantern-type light, and the rest was pitch black. After a while the man seemed agitated with me for not wanting to listen to him. Then he started to say, Oh no, not now, not right now, loudly. I was getting even more frightened because I didn't understand what he was talking about or who he was telling this to. All of a sudden he didn't look too good. He was sweating pretty bad. His skin was looking weird. He looked as if he was in tremendous pain. His veins in his neck and forehead were protruding out like thicker. He was looking at me and kept telling me not to be afraid and he won't hurt me. Now I was starting to shake and clenching the Nerf ball in my hands. He was pretty much the whole time holding his arms out to grab me, so I didn't want to pass by him. He started to scream in a deep, pitched voice because of the changes that were happening to him in his body. He looked at me and I seen his eyes change from dark brown to yellow in an instant. I seen his jawbone and or jaw or bones underneath his skin changing form. I could hear bones snapping and breaking. I could see his face changing into a creature little by little. That's when my brother yelled to him from the side. What's happening? What's going on? 
The man-beast lifted the door a tad bit more and turned towards my brother and growled at him with so much anger. My brother yelled out, Leave my sister alone, and ran to get help at the laundromat. The beast turned back towards me. He was now almost turned into a dog-type creature. I seen hair growing at a high rate of speed out of his body everywhere, and his teeth growing bigger as well. His gums were bleeding because the teeth were getting bigger. My brother ran back with no one else by his side, and I knew at that moment I needed to try and get away from this beast before he changed completely. He was staring at me while he was changing and getting worse looking by the minute, and in all of that time after he was no longer a man. He was telepathically communicating with me, talking to me through his eyes. He was telling me that he was going to get me, that he was going to eat me if I didn't listen to him and go with him right now. My brother started yelling at him some more. This beast's arms were starting to change and he turned towards my brother and began growling at him. But now it was really deep and had much more bass to it, with an echo, probably from being near the carport. As soon as he turned towards my brother, I seen my brother motion with his hands for me to come toward him. I right away made a run for my life toward my brother. The beast grabbed my ankle tightly, but I managed to slip away from his fingers that were turning into longer, more strong nails or paws of some sort. Also, his arms started burning and smoking in a way because where he was grabbing at me, his skin was hitting the light so that he couldn't even hold on to me for long. I grabbed the side of the carport wall for support and probably left gashes in it. I ran to my brother and never looked back because I was afraid he was going to completely turn into this wolf-dog-doberman-type creature and bite me. My brother grabbed my hand and we made a marathon run for it back to the laundromat. My mum was still doing laundry and we were pleading with her just to leave the clothes. We were yelling at everyone in that whole place to leave and go to their cars because we saw a mad dog creature. They looked at us like we were crazy, including our own mum. My brother told my mum that she should really listen to what we were saying because it was true. He grabbed the keys to the car and said that we would go and sit in the car and watch her from there. We felt safer being in the car. My brother said in case we had to drive off, he would take us. My brother was only 14, but he was big enough to drive. He was completely frightened, and so was I. We were just watching and waiting. The creature never came towards the laundromat. My mum came to the car and we drove off. My brother told my mum everything and she questioned me as well, but didn't believe us very much. She stopped going to that laundromat because of what we said. She also asked us later on about the Nerf ball. I told her I left it. She was curious as to why we left it, knowing that we just got it and that we waited so long to be able to buy it. She also saw pinkish marks around one of my ankles. That had her wondering for days. Later on in my life, I asked her about the incident and she says she remembers how frightened we were, how we were shaking, but she still doesn't believe us, I think. I questioned my brother about it in front of my husband because my husband knows, along with my daughter. My brother pretended that it was nothing and didn't want to talk about it. Jennifer said that her mother never did believe what they saw, even though she always remembered how the pair were crying and shaking as they told her about it. Years later, at a family gathering at a park, 
Jennifer's brother waited until her husband was out of earshot before he would talk to her about the incident. My husband later left the park to go and watch soccer players, said Jennifer. My brother walked over to me in front of my mum and daughter and said, Jenny, what you and I saw that day was real. It was crazy. That guy was a creature or madman of some sort. But he said, we can't tell anyone about our experience because they'll think we're nuts. I said, well, as long as I know the truth, that's what matters most. I told my own family so they know things like this do exist and to be careful. Jennifer remembers exactly where the incident took place and what the apartment complex looks like. I omitted the street address and business names to protect the privacy of current residents, but here's her description of the neighbourhood. Each apartment is treated as an individual home with their own parcel numbers and such. It happened towards the back of the driveway area at the last carport. The laundromat that's next to this property is on the corner of a small shopping centre with stores. The stores that I remember being there in the 80s at the time of this encounter were a liquor store, a bicycle shop, somewhere toward the middle, and I'm not sure if it's still there or not, the laundromat, and a really good Mexican restaurant. Jennifer's recollection of the stairway and lantern made me wonder what kind of tunnel or underground space might normally open into an apartment complex parking lot next to a busy strip mall. I asked my husband, who happens to be a civil engineer specialising in wastewater management and treatment, what he thought about her description of the stairs and about the rectangular metal door. He confirmed that rectangular doors or hatches are indeed used in certain applications and that they have hinges unlike round manhole covers, to prevent the lids from falling in. He also thought that given the rectangular hatch and the location, perhaps the stairs may have led to either a storm drainage or utility access tunnel, and everything Jennifer described checked out to the smallest detail. Well, that is an incredible story. And all those years later, she still remembers all the details. If that is a true story, then that is extremely scary. Don't you think? Well, what shall we look into next week? Shall we go back and have a look at Bigfoot stories? Or shall we have a look at other dogman and werewolf encounters? Do you want a few more ghost stories? Or do you prefer tales of fairies and goblins? Please send me in a message and let me know what you'd like me to do my next podcast about. Also, is there anybody in particular that you'd really like me to interview, especially people in the UK? Why don't you drop me an email at paranormal or what? podcast at outlook.com. You can also send me voice messages, don't forget, at anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. If you'd prefer to record your story on a voice message on your phone and then email it to me, you can do that too. Well, 
that's about it for this week, folks. It was a little bit shorter this week, but don't you worry. We'll make up for it next time when we have a nice, long, juicy interview. So, until next week, don't forget to stay spooky. Don't forget to send me in your stories and to rate and review the podcast on whichever app you listen to it on. I'd really appreciate some more five-star reviews. So it's time to snuggle down and go to bed. Take care, everybody. And remember, together, we can figure it out. Night. Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What Podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. How are you, my podcasting friends? How has your week been? Mine has been extremely busy and I've decided that I'm going to try and up my output of content. So I'm going to attempt to put out a podcast every Thursday. It will be a mixture of maybe one week interviews and another week stories and true experiences. So don't forget to send them in to me, please, at paranormalorwhatpodcast at outlook.com or you can send me a voice message recording at anchor.fm forward slash paranormalorwhatpodcast forward slash message. So... What with that and writing my articles for Paranormality magazine and my full-time career as a teacher, it's been a very, very, very busy time at the moment. However, I've managed to find some quite interesting and exciting stories of crazy cryptid creatures. Two types in particular this week. My... Interesting ABCs, Alien Big Cats, has led to several true stories being read out by myself about um, these types of creatures being seen in Dorset in particular. If you'd like to read my article on Alien Big Cats, it's going to be out in Paranormality magazine next month. And that has incidents of ABCs being seen all over the United Kingdom. And one fantastic story about a so-called real-life werewolf encounter. So, without further ado, get yourself in that comfy chair, snuggle down with that blanket and that tot of something hot and fiery, or just a cup of something hot. Are you ready? Be prepared to be scared.
Hey everyone, it's Brandon and Whitney from the Parunity Podcast. Parunity is your place for everything paranormal from the teams that investigate it. Tune in and let our guests entertain you with their stories and more. Authors and celebrities stop by and join us to bring these haunted places to life. If you like history, science, and of course, the paranormal, then you will definitely want to check us out. You can follow the Parunity Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.